From Muhlenberg College, this is 2400 Chew. Your host is Megan Keita. In each episode of this podcast, we talk to one Muhlenberg graduate about their current work and the industry in which that work is done. For this episode, Megan spoke with Bridget Deegan, class of 2019, Climate Resilience Senior Specialist at the National League of Cities. As we do with most of these interviews, the conversation began by asking how and when Bridget became interested in her occupation. Yeah, so I actually, it goes back to summer 2018. Dr. Uh, Chris Herrick, who has since retired, helped me land an internship at the United Nations with the mission of Palau. Um, and that was really the first time I was working on and supporting climate policy, specifically related to the Pacific Island countries. But that was when I kind of had a turning point of, yes, political science, that's what I'm studying, but climate policy is such an interesting sphere to work within. Uh, that's really where I got my uh, start was at Muhlenberg College. So um, after I graduated from Muhlenberg, I realized that I still really wanted to continue my studies um, in climate policy. So I decided to go to the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at Tufts University. Um, it was a two-year program where I was really focusing on um, not only um, international environmental resource policy, but conflict resolution and negotiation. I thought at the time that I, I wanted to be more in that sphere at the international level of looking at events like the uh, COP uh, dialogue, for example. Um, and during that time, I had an internship at uh, UNSCAP, which is the um, Economic and Social Commission. Uh, and I was specifically in the Asia Pacific branch, working on uh, sustainable urban development with Asian and Pacific cities, uh, specifically related to uh, the pandemic and sustainable development. So how can we recover from COVID-19 in a way that also promotes sustainabilities and helps cities be more resilient to future shocks, uh, whether that be public health or whether that be climate change um, or economic uh, conflicts that rise. So that was really how I started getting narrow, narrowing down into, okay, so much is happening at cities. There's so much direct contact with community-based organizations, with frontline communities, and it's really where the implementation is happening. And that is kind of how I narrowed down even further to the city level. Falling into my position at the National League of Cities was really just by chance. Right after graduation from Fletcher, I had an internship with Arstrock Resilience Center. They focus specifically on extreme heat. So I was able to get all of this knowledge and tool and technical ability to understand how is that impacting cities? What can mayors do, for example, to kind of help make that a, a center issue um, in urban climate policy? And so I found this job at the National League of Cities. I applied. It was kind of all of the pieces aligning together. And that's how I've gotten where I am now. Can you talk a little bit about that specific thing, which is how extreme heat is impacting cities and what cities can do to be resilient and protect the people who live there? It's such a hard question to answer. I mean, extreme heat is happening basically everywhere. I mean, over 100 million Americans right now are under an extreme heat watch. Uh, often in my field, we call it the silent killer because you see you know, a hurricane coming, you know when a wildfire is happening, but oftentimes people who die from extreme heat, it could be in the privacy of your own home. You don't even realize that you're suffering effects that lead to a heat stroke. 
So there are so many things that cities can do to become more resilient to heat. It's a really hard challenge because there's, you know, a funding issue, there's a capacity issue, and there's a resource issue. So some ways, you know, it happens from multiple lenses. One avenue is the education piece, making sure that people really know what does extreme heat feel like? How does that impact, uh, for example, high-risk communities like elderly children, pregnant women? How does it impact outdoor workers like agricultural and construction workers? That's one lens. Another avenue is creating places to go to, for example, a resilience center, having those places already really exist, like areas where communities come together. How can you make that a spot for people to get cool when it's really hot outside? Um, how can you create an ordinance to protect workers? I think President Biden actually is pushing towards a heat hazard watch as well for workers. Um, and then another issue um, and avenue is with the work that I specifically do is how can we look at our built environment, our infrastructure and adapt now because we can adapt now today uh, by improving tree canopies, by uh, really cutting down on a bunch of dark surface parking lots. Uh, how do we tackle urban heat islands, for example, through uh, creating green canopies, green roofs, putting on solar panels to cool down cities. So those are just a couple avenues you can go. Can you tell me whether you have a typical work day and if you do, what that looks like for you? Yeah, I find that my work day kind of look, it's usually a similar day, but different things are happening. So I um, often meet with uh, cities uh, currently, my project, I'm working with five cities across the United States. So one day I might have a meeting with New Orleans. The following day, I might have a meeting with Columbia, uh, South Carolina, really talking with their resilience officers, their people who work in hazard mitigation about what are uh, pressing issues for the city related to heat or flooding. Uh, sometimes my day looks like I'm doing a lot of research, um, whether it's on uh, federal funding opportunities ordinances that cities currently have to kind of figure out, okay, what piece is missing or what piece are these cities doing really well that we could elevate. Other portions of my day could be connecting with people uh, who are members for NLC. So NLC is a member-based organization. If your city is a member, then that means anybody who works for that city has access to our resources. So my department, for example, does monthly sustainability office hours. So a bunch of cities could uh, come to an event that we're having about the uh, the building infrastructure law. And we could talk about what challenges are happening and what resources we could give to cities, council members, sustainability officers right then. So it really depends on the day, a lot of writing as well. So I could be working on a blog or a report or supporting my colleagues in uh, webinars in different topics, such as like climate and health or climate and solar panels on how to install solar panels better in cities. Yeah. So you mentioned the infrastructure law, um, like, were you referring to the like uh, inflation Redu reduction act or the other or both? Is I, I was re referring to uh, the bipartisan infrastructure law. There's a lot of things happening right now with cities implementing that money. That is what I specifically meant. Can you talk about the most challenging and the most rewarding aspects of this work that you're doing? Yeah. Um, most challenging is that there's just so much to do, you know, when you think about climate change, even if you reduce it to extreme heat, um, there are so many places, so many neighborhoods that need a lot of 
better infrastructure that just historically have been left behind on purpose by uh, cities. Um, and so it's really hard to figure out, okay, how, how can we do this in a way that saves the city money, um, but also is thoughtful and it's, it's what the community wants. We don't just wanna go in and say, okay, let's put a bunch of trees in if the community doesn't want that, you know? So finding the best solution for each neighborhood um, and finding the capacity and resources, because at the end of the day, city leaders know it's an issue. Um, they're not stupid. It just comes down to how much funding is going to the resilience office, how much funding is going to sustainability teams, often not as much as what's needed for the demand. But then what's most rewarding is really working with leading experts, um, leaders in heat adaptation, Working with cities, I always think that working and talking to a chief resilience or sustainability officer is so excellent because they are just such subject matter experts. They know their neighborhoods really well. They know what the problem is at hand. And it's just so rewarding to work with them and see a real impact um, happening block by block. If you had to give guidance or advice to someone who is interested in doing what you do, or the kind of work you do, what would you say? I think I would say to go with the flow. And I know that's sometimes bad advice to give to people, but I have found that I used to be very set on in five years, I wanna be here. In 10 years, I wanna be here. I have very high expectations and standards for myself. And this is the only pathway to go. Like when I was younger, I felt like the only way to be successful was to go to law school, for example. And I found that just kind of letting go of those expectations that I was holding myself to opened me up to more opportunities than I ever saw for myself. Like if you asked me when I was 18 that I'd be working in heat adaptation, I'd be like, what's that? Like, don't you want to just be a lawyer and like work in politics and like do voting rights, um, which I'm still really passionate about, but I found that just opening myself for opportunities, seeing where the wind kind of takes me exposing myself to as many avenues of thought as possible in communities really guided me in a pleasantly surprising direction. This episode of 2400 Chew was produced by the Office of Alumni Affairs at Muhlenberg College. It was recorded remotely and engineered in the studios of WMUH Allentown, Pennsylvania. Our opening and closing music from Cowboy Bebop is performed by the Muhlenberg College Jazz Big Band.